0: Amen. God is good, isn't he? Let me remind you about what's coming up this week. We have our Bull Men's Night on Wednesday night at 7 p.m. This is for all the men of Generation Church, and we believe in raising up strong, godly men in this church. Strong, godly men are the key to healthy families and healthy communities and healthy churches. God made you men to lead the way by example, and you need to be together with your brothers Because iron sharpens iron. You got to decide in advance, I'm going to prioritize that and be there because it's good for me and it's good for my brothers in faith. Because if you wait till Wednesday afternoon when you're feeling tired after a long day of work, you might talk yourself out of going. You got to predetermine you're going to go. And then uh, the wives of our church, you got to help your husband get here. You got to remind him gently and get everything set so he has. No reason to miss, and I think that God will bless us as we gather together. We have a guest speaker this Wednesday, so it's going to be a good time. Be there, bold men. 7 p.m. at the Mesa campus. Uh, we're going to be in Exodus 15 talking about a song of deliverance, a song of deliverance. And we left time at the end to respond to this message, but I listen to lots of different music. Styles And years ago, I was working out one day and I was listening to a movie soundtrack from the Prince of Egypt. And I wasn't thinking, you know, hey, someday, a couple years later, I'm going to preach a series on Exodus. But I'm listening to this movie soundtrack and the famous song, When You Believe. There will be miracles when you believe. And so I'm listening to this, like not really thinking that much about it. And at a certain point, I don't know if you remember this song, but these little kids start singing in Hebrew. Do you remember this? And uh, they're singing, they go, Asherah la Adonai k'goga, Asherah la Adonai k'goga, Mi chamokah bayalim Adonai, Mi chamokah nedar bakodesh nakita vekastaka, Om zugalta nakita vekastaka, um, ashira, ashira, ashira. Yes. You won't get preaching like this anywhere else. And I'm listening to this and I start having like a strong emotional reaction and I'm like crying and I'm thinking like, what is wrong with me? I mean, it's cute when little kids sing, but it's not that cute. Like, what, what is going on? And so I'm, like, starting to get confused and curious. and like, what are they singing? Like, I, I'm not sure. So I Google it. Like, what are the little kids singing in Hebrew and the prince of Egypt? And I read it, and it is straight-up scripture out of Exodus 15. And the song that God's people were actually singing in that moment In the story of deliverance, as God led them through the Red Sea after he parted the waters supernaturally, the people actually sang the lines from that song. They sang, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness? In your love you lead your people, you redeemed. And it says this in the book of Exodus. And I think what happened is, you know, as a Christian, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. And so I think the Holy Spirit inside of me said, oh yeah, I remember when my people sang this song to me. And it pleased me then, like it pleases me now. And my spirit, on a level I didn't even realize, was reacting to the Holy Spirit, being pleased by legitimate worship. And I was having an emotional reaction because the word of God is living and active. Here's where it comes from in Exodus 15. The Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. I love that verse. The Lord is his name. Verse 11 and 13 is what they were singing. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. So I think it's really interesting that God just performed maybe one of the most epic miracles in human history, parting the Red Sea. And then the book of Exodus takes a whole chapter nearly to record a worship song that God's people sang in response. Why is that? I think it's because we needed to know the right response to deliverance is worship. And it wasn't just their deliverance from Egypt, but there were several times before that when they worshiped the Lord. Like in chapter 4, it says, When they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshiped. This is when Moses first showed up and he said, Guys, good news. God sees you and he cares about you. And that proved to them that he loves you. And they responded with worship, realizing that he is not a distant, far-off God. He's a near and present help in times of trouble. He loves us, and the right response to God's love is worship. We see then another account, worship before the Passover, where in chapter 12 it says, Then your children will ask, What does this ceremony mean? And you will reply, It's the Passover sacrifice to the Lord. For he passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt. And though he struck the Egyptians, he spared our families. When Moses had finished speaking, all the people bowed down to the ground and worshipped. They were worshipping God because he saved them from death through the application of the Passover lamb's blood. This shows you the right response to salvation is also worship. You see, worship, worship, worship. Think about the timing of their worship. They worshiped when they first heard about their salvation that was coming, and then they worshiped again after it came. They worshiped by faith of what would be, and they worshiped by sight as they saw it happen. It tells us that any time is the right time to worship. What time is it? It's worship O'clock. We worship God to get ready for the storms of life that are coming. We worship to get through the storms of life. And we worship to celebrate that God brought us through to the other side. Well, that's all great, but I want you to know that what God did for them through Moses, he's doing for you through Jesus. Let me show you a couple direct comparisons. God showed he loved Israel, and he's also shown that he loves you. In Romans 5, it says, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. God didn't just tell you he loves you, because talk is cheap. He proved it by sending Jesus to die in your place. God delivered Israel from slavery, and he delivers you from slavery. It says in Romans 6, We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Slavery is tragic and Unfortunately, throughout all of human history, people have been enslaved at different points to different people, but as bad as it is to be enslaved to man, it's even worse to be enslaved to sin. If you're enslaved to man, at least you have some shred of hope that you might escape someday or find freedom through deliverance or even death. But being enslaved to sin, there is no hope of rescuing yourself or escaping Your only hope is that God, with his mighty hand, would deliver you from slavery. And through Jesus, he has. God sets you free. And then we see third that God saved Israel from the angel of death. And God has saved you from the wages of sin, which is death. Through faith. In Ephesians 2, it says, God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life. Life instead of death. When he raised Christ from the dead, it is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ, and wait, there's more, and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. So that's all. The wages of sin is death, but good news, the gift of God is eternal life. Jesus said that anyone who believes in me will never die. I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus doesn't just save us, but he crowns us. He secures our seat at the table and our home in heaven forever. He's been so good to us. These are miracles that happened and they're still happening. God loved you and He's still loving you. He saved you from death and every day He's leading you into new levels of life. He got you out of slavery in Egypt and He's still working to get slavery in Egypt out of you. How many of you know it's a process? So because we've experienced the same miracles as God's people did in the Bible, we should respond the same way as God's people did in the Bible, with worship. Now, a lot of Christians in our American Western culture, they don't always worship God the way that he deserves or the way that he wants to be worshipped. And there are different reasons. Sometimes people don't really mean anything by it, but I'll hear people say, well, you know, I don't really like that music. That's not the kind of music we sang in church when I was growing up. Or they'll say, you know, that's not really who I am. I'm not really an emotional type. It's great that those kids wanna jump around on stage. That's just, that's not me. They'll say, I don't really like to sing. I'm not, I'm not musical. Or they'll say, you know, I'm, I'm more of a reserved person. I worship in my heart. Or sometimes they spiritualize it. They'll say, all of life is worship not about the music. Well, whatever the reason they have for not worshiping, let's just agree on this. God is God and I am not. Amen. God is God and you are not. You weren't as agreeable about that part. Because God is God and I am not, I should worship him the way he wants to be worshiped. Amen. Amen. So I want to teach people how to worship. Part of my job as a pastor is trying to teach people what God's word says and how to apply it to their lives. And so I'm really passionate about teaching people to worship. That's like one of the things I really love to do. And so I was trying to think like, you know, how can I illustrate what biblical worship looks like? And how can I teach people? So I was like, I know. We're going to take this thing next level. I'm going to commission a robot to be made. So I got this robot. This is an animatronic worship training robot. I'm like, let's go. This is going to be awesome. So I got it. I got it set up. I was getting ready for the sermon. I opened up the app to control it. I'm like prepping for everything for Sunday, you know, and I'm like, all right, here we go. Let's see what this thing's got. Activate. Nothing happened. I'm like, what's going on? You know, Activate. Nothing happened. So I called up customer service, and I'm like, yo, what's going on with this thing? It's not doing anything. She's like, oh, sir, I'm so sorry. Let me check that for you. (laughs) Well, actually, on our end, it looks like diagnostics show it's working just fine. I said, how could that be right? It doesn't make any sound. It doesn't raise its hands. It doesn't clap. It doesn't do anything. It's just standing there. She said, oh, sir, I think I know what happened you ordered the new American Standard Cultural <laughs> worship training model. I said, well, what am I supposed to do with that? It doesn't do it. She said, it, it sounds like you want the classic biblical <laughs> model. Would you like me to start in exchange? I'm like, no. I, I, I guess I'm just gonna have to work with this and it can be like the what not to do example. but, but Because not all of you, but some of you, this is actually what you look like when you worship. It's like you don't make any sound. You don't move. Maybe you like raise your coffee cup up to keep drinking or you like check your phone like down low. Nobody will see, you know. But otherwise, just kind of like standing there and not really doing a lot while the worship team's singing and people are sweating and worshiping around you. You're just kind of like, you know, just standing there. And there's different reasons people do this. You know, sometimes they're new to church. Like maybe you're new. Maybe this is your first Sunday and you're like, what are these people doing? <laughs> right? Like, like, is there something in the water here? I don't get it. Maybe you grew up in a different type of background and cultural upbringing or religious upbringing. You're like, I grew up Catholic, or I grew up Presbyterian. We didn't really, we didn't really do all that. It was much more reserved and dignified and somber. I just never really seen this before. It's weird to me, or, or, or let's be honest, some of you guys, you're just too cool for school. You're the guy, you're like, I just, I just don't wanna act like I care about anything because I'm cool. And then there are some people maybe, uh, you know, you think like I went to a Pentecostal church one time and those people were cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And I don't want that. You know, I get it. I've seen that sometimes, too. So whatever your reason is for worshiping like a mannequin, we should think about what the word of God says. I have to tell you that reserved worship like this is a learned cultural behavior. It's not biblical behavior. You might have got that from your upbringing, but you didn't get it from the word of God. You have to ask yourself this, have I been more discipled by culture than scripture? Because God is God and we are not, and so we need to worship him the way that he wants to be worshipped according to his word. There are many ways to worship the Lord. You could say that giving is in a way an act of worship. Living for God in general can be A way to demonstrate worship. But when the Bible talks about worship and praise, the primary idea is that worship is musical coupled with appropriate physical demonstration. God is the one who made us musical and gave us the ability to hear pitch and sing on key sometimes. And to move to rhythm and groove and like it. God made us that way, not just so that we could party, but so that we could praise him. God's word, it transcends time and culture. So he doesn't tell us specifically like sing this exact song with these chords, but he tells us the way that we should worship him so that different cultures and different countries can all put it into practice throughout history. So I'll give you some of the highlights. First, worship is vocal. It's vocal. Some people, they come to church, they just stare. They're like mute. They're not saying anything. They're not singing. But I want you to know this, that God wants you to sing. In fact, if you're one of the people that cares about the Bible, which I hope that most of you are, the Bible actually commands us to sing. Many times, many times. But I'll just give you a couple examples in this sermon Psalm 95 it says oh come let us sing to the lord let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation let us come into his presence with thanksgiving let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise let's do it the bible says let's sing you read this verse you notice it doesn't say if you're a good singer or it doesn't say say if you like the sound of your voice singing if You enjoy singing. It just says, do it, right? (laughs) And I know some of you are like, I don't like to sing. Well, that's one of the benefits of worship is it teaches us it's not all about me. It's not all about what I like. I'm here to please the Lord with my worship. I'm gonna come into his presence and make a joyful noise. Because we have a lot to be grateful for, don't we? God saved us, he loves us, he's freed us from slavery to sin so you should only make as joyful of a noise as God is good he's very good so that noise should be joyful and I know some of you you're like I have a lot of joy well tell your face please because I look around the room sometimes and I'm like I know that guy loves Jesus in his heart but he looks mad what you mad about right now bro And maybe you're like, well, I just had a rough week. I I get it. Like, sometimes you have a bad week, you come to church, you're not really feeling it. Whenever I'm not feeling it and I'm tempted to worship like this guy, I just remind myself, oh, yeah, Jesus saved me from eternity in hell. That always makes me feel better about my bad week. In Zephaniah 3, it says, the Lord your God is in your midst. He will exalt over you with loud singing. I always ask myself this, like, what if God... Loves us. What if he loved us but never told us that he loved us? But he he tells us. The Bible says he tells us because it's his love, knowing his love and being rooted in his love, that keeps us strong. It says that in Ephesians 3. But what if you didn't know, but he did tell you. He tells you that he loves you. He proved that he loved you by sending Jesus. And we see how passionately he loves us, so passionately that he Sings over us, scripture says. There's something about singing that communicates passion, unlike anything else. Am I right? I mean, it's just like you, passion just wells up in you to where you're like, I have to sing. Like it just communicates passion on a different level. Like For example, like we got some husbands in the room, you're married, you know, try this. Go home uh, after church tonight, you know, you got kids, get them all settled, get everything ready, and then just catch your wife off guard. (laughs) Baby, lock the doors and turn the lights down low. Put the music on, soft and slow. Like, it doesn't matter how bad of a singer you are, she's gonna like it. It'll go well for you. It's just how God designed us to express passion. God doesn't just sing quietly over us. He sings loud. And if love caused God to sing loud over you, shouldn't love cause us to sing back to him the way that he wants to hear it? That's, that's one of God's primary love languages is singing. In Colossians 3 it says, let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. So this wasn't just an Old Testament thing. It's a New Testament church and human thing. People have sang in church gatherings throughout human history, throughout worship history. uh, The last 2,000 years, psalms, the book of psalms, you got hymns. Hymns are cool. And then spiritual songs. I like that it told us all all these are are good. You know, I've met some Christians. They're like, those new songs, those songs, those new songs are no good. Not like the old hymns of my day. I I didn't really know what they meant, but they sounded really cool. (laughs) I'm like, you know what? Some of them are good. And, and, but really any spiritual song any sincerely sang song, it, it can be pleasing to God. God designed us to glorify him with our singing. And so Worship is vocal, but it isn't just vocal. Worship is also physical. This is the one that will stretch some people out of their comfort zone. But worship is physical. In Mark 12, it says, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. So you have a body, but you are primarily a soul. You're a soul with a body. And God gave you a body so that you could use it for his glory And one of the ways you can do that is to actually worship him with your body. In Psalm 35, it says, Then my soul will rejoice in the Lord and delight in his salvation. Look, with every bone in my body, I will praise him. Not just my mouth, but all my body. You know, I got to get into it if I'm going to worship God with every bone in my body, right? There's a connection between heartfelt singing and physical praising. And you see it in most other cultures throughout human history that when people worship the Lord, they dance and they celebrate and it's like a celebration. It's only in America you find this like Western dignified, somber, like just people staring straight ahead, just watching the worship, you know, like, I'm so glad that Jesus saved me and I'm going to heaven. Really glad. It's like, that's not normal. It's not normal. You know, you've maybe even seen like Jewish people when they pray, they'll like rock when they pray, like Orthodox Jews. Have you seen that? One of the reasons they say they do that is they believe that their soul, the soul is like a candle, a flame lit by God. And you can't help but have that flame moved by the spirit of God. It's only this kind of modern Western culture where we practice somber, reserved worship of God. That's not scriptural. It's cultural. So we have to go back to God's word, scripture, which is more important than your upbringing or your personality type or your preferences. Amen. God's word is more important. In Psalm 47, it says, come, everyone, clap your hands. Shout to God with joyful praise. For the Lord most high is awesome. Sing praises. Again, Again, it's not saying if you feel like it. It just says, sing praises to our king. Sing praises. For God is the king over all the earth. I like this. So again, you see like shout. You know, there's a time to shout like, amen. Yeah, let's go. Praise God. Like, woo. Like it can be appropriate. And the Bible says to do it. You know, it says sing praises. And then physical, it says clap your hands. Everybody clap your hands. That's praise. That's worship. And God designed it that clapping emphasizes the truth that you're either speaking or receiving. So when you clap in a concert, it might be to help keep the beat. But when you clap in worship, it's to emphasize the truth. When you clap, even I want you to understand this since I'm talking about this. When you clap in response to a sermon, it's not meant to be a golf clap for the pastor. Like, that was a good point. You really got me there. It's actually emphasizing on a spiritual level I am receiving the truth of God's word, and I agree. So we're clapping for God. This is how God wants to be praised. but unfortunately, this mannequin dude is a good representation of a lot of people. It's like not really getting physical, but you'll see a lot of the things uh, are happening around us. One of the things you'll see is um, people raising their hands. That's another way we worship physically. We can raise. God gave us hands that we can raise so that we could raise them to Him. You'll be like, I don't get that. Why do people raise their hands? You know, new Christians sometimes are like, that's weird. People raising their hands. Do they have questions? Are they waiting for someone to call on them? Why are they doing that? Well, it's biblical. It's biblical. It says in Psalm 134, lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. Bible says right there, but you'll get guys that come to church. They're like, that's weird. I would never do that. I'm, I'm more dignified than that. Then they go home, they watch football. Yes, 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 let's go. (laughs) But at church, it's like, no, I would never lift my hands. It's like, okay, bro, it's weird to celebrate a touchdown with arms lifted in victory, but not your salvation. Humans do this. God just designed us to do this. That's why at sporting events, you see people, yes. At concerts, you see people, yes. People worship. They just worship their own gods, entertainers and athletes. How can we lift hands at a Justin Bieber concert but not as Christians lift hands to Jesus? He deserves pra- So this is one of the ways we demonstrate victory. We lift our hands to demonstrate victory and adoration. We are victorious through Jesus. We also do this to demonstrate our love to God. It says in Lamentations 3, let us lift up our hearts and hands to God in heaven. Some translations say, let us lift up our hearts with our hands. To God in heaven. It's like the Word of God wants us to know that on some spiritual level, when you lift up your hands, it lifts up your heart. We actually sing that in one of our church worship songs. When we lift our hands, we lift our heart. We're saying, "God, I love you, I can't help but express it through my hands lifted up, because you designed me to do that. Furthermore, it's practical benefit that when you lift your hands it helps you to focus on God. You lift your hands to God, you're not as likely to be distracted by what's going on around you. It helps you put your focus on him. In 1st Timothy 2 it says, "In every place of worship, I want men to pray with holy hands lifted up to God, free from anger and controversy." A couple things about that. Uh, we can lift our hands when we pray, and a lot of our worship songs are like musical prayers. As well. It says, with holy hands. And a lot of times I think people don't feel like they're worthy to worship God that way because you're thinking about the things that you've done wrong. And sometimes in your mind, you'll get this idea, like that's only like a black belt Christian move, you know, raising your hands. I'm not really ready for that. I've still got a lot of things in my life. I need to work out. I know where these hands have been. (laughs) I'm not sure God wants me to lift them up to him. And it's like, no, no, you gotta understand that through the blood of Jesus, you have been made clean in God's sight. And your hands, although they have done evil, have been made holy. So you can lift them up to God. And it says, look, free from anger and controversy, one of the things being expressed here is this is this is an international sign for I surrender. And you're saying, God, I surrender my life to you. I surrender my will to your will. And now, rather than being an enemy of God because of sin, I am at peace with God through faith in Jesus. I'm no longer at hostility. And not just with God, but I'm also at peace with my fellow man, my brothers and sisters in Christ. Even though we come from different ethnicities and backgrounds, we are not divided or at war with each other. We are made one in Christ Jesus. So this is a sign of peace among God's people. We worship this way because we recognize God's awesome power at work in our lives. Just like the Israelites they experienced God's awesome power at work in their lives. They said, God saved us. we got to worship him. God loves us. We've got to worship him. God has freed us. We've got to worship him. They were recognizing the significance of what God was doing. And so they chose the right response, which is worship. This is what we need to do as a church. Recognize the moment and choose the right response. Have you ever been around really socially awkward people? Maybe you're married to one. Maybe you're like, I don't know anyone that's socially awkward. It's probably you. <laughs> you know, I'm kidding. Uh, but socially awkward people, they don't really do well at like reading other people. They don't always like read the room, like, bro, read the room. You know, these are the people that are cracking jokes at a funeral. You're like, it's not appropriate. Little kids are really bad at this. You'll be like on an important phone call. Your little kid will be screaming at you like, I want snacks. This isn't the time. Read the room, kid. They don't care. They just know what they want, what feels right. Little kids do what feels right. Adults do what is right. That's why you get up in the morning and actually put your clothes on and go to work. You recognize the moment and you choose to do what's right. That's what we need to do as Christians. When we come together in the house of the Lord, with the people of the Lord, we need to recognize this is a moment to worship the Lord. So I'm going to recognize the moment. I'm going to choose the right response. This is a moment to put my other worries on pause, to stop thinking about all the things going on in the world, and the news, and politics, and entertainment, and put my focus on the Lord because of what he's done. I'm gonna worship him and I'm gonna receive his word. I'm gonna be fed in my spirit and I'm gonna encourage my church family by being gathered together. I'm gonna choose the right response. What a lot of people do is they, they let their feelings dictate their actions. Do you understand what I'm saying? They come to church, you know, it's like, if I'm feeling it today, I will participate. Maybe I'll start singing when I start to get, like, little goosebump feeling tingly on my skin. If I get warm, fuzzy feelings in my heart, then then, I'll slip a hand up. That's reactionary based on feelings. I want to react to what is right based on God's word. Which says, you know, regardless of how I feel, I recognize this is a moment to worship. So I'm going to lift my hands and I'm going to sing, use my voice. I'm going to put my distractions and feelings on the back burner. And I'm going to worship the Lord in this moment because he deserves it. Appropriately participating, vocally and physically. Inappropriate, that's one of the things I want to emphasize. There's an appropriate time and place for everything. You know, I'm talking about like physically demonstrating worship. And, and over the years, whenever I teach on this, people that come from certain backgrounds, like if they came from like a Presbyterian background, Lutheran, or like some, some, they get like real nervous during this type of sermon. They're like, what is going on in this place? And so I always like to remind everybody, you know, 1 Corinthians 14 says that everything should be done in order and properly, right? And that always makes the Baptist feel more comfortable, like, okay, shh. It's going to be okay. But it's good, too, because, you know, we got a lot of Pentecostals in our church. Whenever I preach a sermon like this, they get all excited. They're like, oh, yeah. Here we go, bro. I've been waiting for this. Like, remember, keep it in order, proper. Like, leave your flags and shofars at home. We're not doing cartwheels in the aisles, right? There's a right time and place for everything. Yeah, it's, so good. it's time to worship. So worship isn't just vocal. It's physical, but it isn't just physical. Worship is also spiritual. It's spiritual. There's something supernatural going on. And I don't fully understand it, but sometimes as Christians, we won't talk about the things that we can't fully explain. We've got to be willing to recognize there's something supernatural happening here beyond what we can even grasp. It's spiritual. I notice that New Age teaching... They talk about good energy and bad energy. And uh, I heard someone talk about there are certain frequencies that are uplifting. And there are other frequencies that are depressing. I'm like, that's interesting. Where are you getting that nonsense from? <laughs> Here's the truth. Every lie is based on a twisted truth. Every attractive lie comes from a twisted truth. Like back to the Garden of Eden when Satan said, did the devil The devil said, did God really say? The serpent said, did God really say? Just twisting the truth. So where does this come from? The idea that they're like good energy, bad energy, good frequencies, bad frequencies. There's something spiritual at work here. I don't know if we fully understand it, but I did did think about it uh, this week. And I've been thinking about this. A couple years ago, I saw this video uh, randomly on YouTube. Check this out. This was a science experiment where they put sand on a metal plate that was hooked up to a a sound frequency generator. And as they generated this sound at different frequencies, the resonance formed these patterns with the sand. They just kind of naturally formed. And I'm watching this. I'm like, this is crazy. So the resonance waves from the frequencies caused these patterns to form in the sand, and I'm thinking, like, man, science is crazy. (laughs) I'm I'm watching this, you know, and I'm thinking, like, this is interesting. This is interesting. And then I started to think about this, like, okay, if God designed the world in a way that natural sound has a natural effect, doesn't it make sense that spiritual sound would also have a supernatural effect? When you sing at a rock concert, you're making natural sound. But when you worship the living God, you're making spiritual sound. And I think it has a supernatural effect. And we see evidence of this throughout Scripture. Going back to creation, like in Genesis chapter 1, it says, Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Like, Why did God say, and then in quotation marks, let there be light? Or it says in Psalm 33, when the Lord spoke, the world began. What is going on there? If God could just think us into existence, why did he speak us into existence? There's something about the sound of God's voice being spoken that caused a supernatural effect at creation. There's something going on there. It's mysterious. I don't know that we can fully understand it. But I think it's clear that God ordained spiritual sounds to have supernatural power. Proverbs says, death and life is in the power of the tongue. There's more to that than sticks and stones may break my bones. It says in John 4, Jesus is speaking and he says, but the time is coming. Indeed, it is here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For our God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Okay, so what does it mean to worship in spirit and in truth? I don't know about you, but like, there's been times I read that and I'm like, that sounds really cool. I don't know what it means, but I like it. I don't know why, but I like it, right? Well, here's what it means, in spirit and in truth. Okay, so in spirit, worshiping him in spirit. We're not just singing, but your spirit has been made alive through faith in Jesus Christ. So when you worship God, it's your spirit that is worshiping God by the power of the Holy Spirit, and it is received by God who is spirit. It's spiritual. And to worship in truth, what does that mean? It means you're worshiping the right God, the right way, for the right reasons, according to the word of God, which is truth. The right God, not Allah, or your Burger King, have it your way version of God. But God, as he makes himself known through his word, which is truth. The right way, according to his word, which is truth. For the right reasons, not to earn his love, but because he's already loved us. Not because we want to impress the people around us, but because we're all struck at how good God is. That's worshiping in spirit and in truth. God is spirit. He spoke the world into creation. When we worship him with our spirit, I think it creates a supernatural change in us and in the world around us. Scripture says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I think when we worship God with our spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that's one of the ways that God renews and rewires our minds. I think... When we, when we worship him, there is a supernatural impact around us. So worship, it honors God, it helps us, and it convinces outsiders. This is the spiritual, supernatural effect. It honors God. And so you see that. You notice that our worship songs, one of the primary goals is to honor God you'll notice that your name isn't in any of the songs. You know, it's like none of the songs are like, oh, praise Ryan, he's so great. None of the songs are like, oh, praise Jessica, she's the best. You're great and all, but like, we're not here to glorify you. You've been glorified through Jesus, but the point of worship is to glorify God. Now, sometimes we'll be like, God, you saved me. God, you've rescued me. You've changed me. That's true. Like, we do want to worship and thank him for how he's, he's helped us. That's great, But we want to honor God. I will sing to the Lord, for he is triumphed gloriously. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness? So you just got to remember that. Whenever you come to church and you're like, I don't really feel like it right now, you can remember that regardless of what your mom told you, it's not all about you. We're here to honor God. I love you. I'm just saying that with gentleness and respect. It's not all about me, right? I'm here to honor the Lord. And you think about how powerful this is that when we worship God, we're creating a spiritual sound that originates with our spirit in conjunction with our body that comes by the power of the Holy Spirit to the throne room of heaven where it mingles with the sound of the angels crying, holy, holy, holy. And that enters the ear of God and is pleasing to him. It's powerful. It's supernatural. There's something happening there. Further, it helps us. Worship helps you. So it honors God, but it also helps you. Have you ever worshiped God in the middle of a difficult season and been encouraged by that, and, and it changes the way you feel in that moment? Have you had that happen? I think about David in First Samuel. It says that David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. You've had a bad day? You probably haven't had people want to stone you. Look at the upside. All the people were bitter in soul for each his sons and daughters. David strengthened himself and says, In the Lord his God. So, what happened is David and his men came back from a military campaign and they found that their their wives, their children had been taken off by an enemy force, kidnapped, and they were struck by grief. They were overwhelmed. They were sad. They tore their clothes in mourning. The people were bitter in soul. Have you ever been bitter in your soul? You're just so upset. They were so mad, they were thinking about stoning David, their awesome leader who they loved. It says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord. You think he looked in the mirror and started like, you got this buddy, you can do it. No, David, he wrote the majority of the Psalms, is known for being an amazing worshiper, leader, singer. And I think what he did was he started to worship the Lord and sing and communicate his emotions and his despair to God, but be encouraged by the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And, and, and it, it encouraged him, it strengthened him to the point that he and, and his boys, they eventually they pulled themselves together and they, they pulled a Liam Neeson and they when they rescued their family that was taken, they got him back, it was awesome. But you need to worship because it's a blessing to you. So, so scripture says be transformed by the renewing of your minds you know that science has confirmed this that when you sing and listen to music uh, MRI brain scans have shown that that activates more of your brain than any other activity God designed you that, that worship, that music, that singing would activate more of your brain than anything else you do why do you think God designed you that way? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. You can use your entire soul, spirit, strength, mind, focusing it on the glory of God. And it changes the way you think. And it, and it solidifies the promises of God in your brain. It fills you with different types of emotions. Rather than despair, you start to feel joy. Joy. Do you you feel the joy of the Lord? Isn't it amazing how worship can bring you joy? I know some of you, you're like, Yeah, I have joy. Well, tell your face, because you look mad a lot. You know, I look around during worship, I'm like, Why are you so mad, bro? Like, Jesus saved you, you know? Like, tell your face. But one of the reasons that we don't always feel the joy of the Lord is because we don't always celebrate the work of the Lord. Worship is a weekly opportunity to do that. You saved me, you've given me victory. You're so good to me. You've been faithful. It's good that we get to worship him this way. And then lastly, the benefit of worship on a spiritual level is that it convinces outsiders that God is real. I've talked to several church members over the years like this, but a couple that came to mind were just last month I was talking to a guy he got saved about a year ago he was coming to church with his family his wife was already saved and he would just come because he knew it was good for his kids and he was t- telling me I would just stand there during worship and the whole time I'm fighting back emotion but I just didn't want to let anybody know that I cared about what was going on and he said eventually one day during the end of wor- at the end of worship he said I gave up and I said fine God I surrender He said, worship, it wore me down. I was talking to another lady one time. She she shared this testimony with me, but she talked about how she gave her life to God one day at church, standing in the back of the room, and she said, it wasn't the sermon that got me. It was seeing a room full of people with their hands lifted up to God. And it convinced me that these people have something I don't have, but I want it. And I talked to another guy at our last men's night. He was talking about how he came to church several times before he accepted Christ. And he said, every time I came, I just felt this tangible weight. I couldn't stand. I was just overcome with emotion. I had to just sit down in my chair and I would just weep. And he said, I finally accepted Jesus. And he's like, I kept weeping for many months after that. But, but it was during worship when I just felt God's presence in a way I'd never have. You don't typically hear testimonies like this in the average church where people don't participate much in worship. And I don't say that to brag, that's just a reflection of what scripture says. In 1 Corinthians 14, look, it says, but if all prophesy, look at that, but if all prophesy, prophecy is declaring truth from God to people. So a lot of times preaching can be prophetic. The Lord wants to encourage you. He wants to remind you of his promises. But a lot of our worship music is also prophetic. We are declaring truth and promises from God's word by faith. It's prophetic. So look at this. When all prophesy, not, you know, 10% of the room, not just the crazy cat lady, but when all prophesy, look, it says, and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. When a whole room of people is singing the promises of God by faith with a prophetic voice, it cuts outsiders to the heart. You thought you were just singing? No. When you create a spiritual sound for God's glory, it ushers in the presence of God in a tangible way. It softens hard hearts. And it convinces people that God is real and God is here. Yes. And that changes things. Yes. So we're going to take time to respond to this message. we got some time. And uh, I want to encourage you to take time to respond here. So let's stand to our feet. And as you come to your feet, I'm just going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. Because before you can really worship the Lord, you need to know Jesus as Lord. And if you're here and you say, I've never accepted Jesus as Lord, that's what, you need, that's what you need to do first. That's the most important thing. And you just need to right now, just open your heart up to God, and you can pray something like this in your own words. You can just say, God, I confess that I have sinned against you. I need your forgiveness. I believe Jesus died on the cross in my place, and I believe he rose again through faith in Jesus. I am forgiven, and I have eternal life. I'm saved by grace. Thank you for loving me, Lord, and I ask you to lead me from this day forward in Jesus' name. If you pray that, if you mean it. God will hear it. You'll be forgiven and saved and receive eternal life. And you've just become a part of God's family. Amen. And now that you know the Lord, uh, as a Christian, uh, you can worship the Lord. And that's that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to take time to worship him. You've heard what God's word says. So I want to encourage you to do it. Not because I said to do it, but because God's word says to do it. So we're just going to choose to have the right response in this moment. Let's pray. God, we thank you. what you've done. We love you. You have first loved us, and it's our joy to return love back to you through worship that pleases you, so we lift up our voice. We ask that your presence would move among us. Be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.